Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello Serie A fan, double the action this week, and for Napoli, double the goals, as Spalletti's men hit eight. We discuss their credentials, and compare them to an upgraded Milan, Brazilian Inter, and even Atalanta make it into our considerations after a slow start leaves them in fifth. After all, it's not as if they start the season trying to win the Scudetto. All this, plus tributes to all manner of honourable behaviour, and a moronic double booking, on this episode of Scudetto. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Scudetto. We've had a double game week this week and uh, the tail end of that is actually still going on as we record with Roma currently hosting Udinese. They're 1-0 up as we speak, but we'll come back to that a bit later on um, because there's plenty to catch up on in the meantime. Boaz, we should uh, just quickly mention, uh, hello by the way, but um, before we catch up on what you've been up to and what you're drinking... We should mention that you were once more a guest on the Milan Obsession podcast. Um, so for any of our listeners who are especially interested in Milan, um, check that out. I haven't had a chance to listen to it yet, actually, but as what was the uh, topic on this particular episode? Well, we, we had a nice natter about um, the games between uh, Milan, Lazio, the midweek game in, against Liverpool, and of course the Juventus game. Good stuff. Probably be covering some of that ground on, on this podcast, but obviously a more in-depth look at from the Milan side of things over there. Um, so do check that out. Um, but yeah, anyway, Buzz, how, how are you? What have you been up to this week? I'm doing very well, apart from the fact that I got heat stroke on uh, a couple of days ago and I was uh, in a pretty bad way and almost got rushed to hospital. But other than that, everything's fine. If you're into projectile <laughs> vomiting, that that was my uh, that was my shtick on, uh, on Monday. So yeah, very fun. Yeah, I'm sorry to hear about that. We obviously covered for you in the predictions league, but you will have to catch up by doing the uh, Tifosi Down Under predictions league for us this week. So no rest for you there. But um, have you got a beer that you can tell us about? I'm drinking a pressure drop IPA, which I believe I've had in the past. And it's a very nice IPA. So I'm looking forward to it. Good stuff. Kenny, are you there? Can you hear us? I'm here. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. How's it going? How are you? Yeah, good. Thank you. Um, how about yourself? Good, good. Yeah, I've basically not had time to do anything other than watch f- football this week. There's just, uh, <laughs> it's just been crazy. Uh, but yeah, but yeah been a lot it's of been games, fun. I'm, I'm not complaining about it. Was it Thursday to Thursday? There's just, there's been a game every night, right? Seven yeah, days in yeah, a row. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah, plenty to get into. And, it's been glorious. Um, you're on the neck oils again, aren't you? I am, yeah, back on the sauce, and I'm back on the, yeah, coming back in style with a, a Beaver Town neck oil, which is delicious. Yeah. Greatest beer in the world, or at least from the greatest stadium in the world. Have you have you got yourself a beer, Oscar? I have. I've got a Maku Brewing Alvara IPA. It's very good. I, you know, sometimes you get like a like a weird flavor of something from a beer, like. I remember I was on a brewery tour once and uh, a guy described like one of the aromas as like a bit like cat piss. 
but it was still a nice beer. <laughs> and this like has a slight kind of this guy was trying to sell me. the beer to you. Yeah, yeah, but like it's something kind of horrible, but there's like a little it has something in common with that smell. And it's like this has like slightly a little bit like washing up liquid, but it's still a very nice IPA. Sounds delicious. Hard to describe. <laughs> anyway, nothing. I'll be that rushing happens. to buy that one. <laughs> yeah, they didn't put that on the can, weirdly. Um, <laughs> it's just a, a picture of a seal. I think it's a seal or a seal line. Is it a bottle anyway. of fairy liquid that you've got tonight, Oscar? <laughs> yeah, I've just, I'm, I'm recording in the kitchen. I've just picked up the wrong can. <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah, right. Let's, let's start with Napoli then, shall we? Since they are currently top of the league. Kenny, you were saying last week is it t- that it's about time we started taking them a bit more seriously. Um, maybe we should take it one step further and start thinking about like, you know, possible um, title credentials or at least you know the possibility that they could start putting a run together. How, how do you assess that at this early stage? Well, I, I think I was saying last week that I do think that there are title contenders. I should put a massive caveat on this that in the at the moment um they're, they're looking immense and a huge reason for that is the the performances of some some key players i mean no doubt spalletti's got them playing fantastically but i think you know we still need to see uh, how ossiemen's fitness is going to be this season and there are other players that have had spelt Koulibaly has been absolutely fantastic he's a player who has had spells where he's been off the ball um, so it's it's down to them keeping those key players fit and those key players doing it for for the entire season. But they are looking absolutely sensational. I've had the the good fortune to see their their last three games actually, and yeah, they just seem to just be on an absolute not absolute roll. And they're winning and they're winning games by by four goals or the last two games anyway. But even then, I mean, it, they could have been more than that. So, yeah, they're going to take some stopping, I think. Yeah, they're looking very impressive, aren't they? But as we just uh, caught up on the goals and you described Ossiman's pace as being like a Tasmanian devil. I keep trying to crowbar in uh, Ossiman reviews, uh, pun into Ossiman, but it's just not working. So I'm, I'm chucking, <laughs> I'm giving it out there to the world for someone else to work on. <laughs> yeah, but the, I guess the other team that we're talking about in who have got a similar record so far to uh, Napoli and the other potential early title contenders have got to be Milan so we should talk about the week they've had um, obviously a close game with Juve maybe one that you'd be a bit disappointed not to take all three points out of first of all to raise a slight parallel with Napoli the, Napoli did kind of uh, have to dig in deep to get the points in the first two games of the, of the season and I think that kind of uh, was the platform for them to build on these two 4-0 victories back-to-back. Likewise, Milan now came up in, with two games that were slightly awkward for them. The Juventus game in particular is a game that uh, Milan usually don't win, let's be honest, and particularly at, at the stadium. So uh, it was very interesting to see Milan coming all out and attacking and actually conceding a goal that was due to the fact that they were all in the opposing half. It was a really badly defended goal, but in a strange way, I have to praise the Milan's attitude for all for being so offensive despite going away to Juventus. Perhaps this is a bigger snapshot of where Juventus are right now, in the sense that uh, maybe they don't uh, impose that same fear on clubs as they have in the past. 
But in any case, Milan, as you said, could have taken all three points. Uh, Kalulu had a very good chance towards the end of the game that uh, Chesney d- did really well to stop. But uh, then Milan came up against Venezia at home, which is the game where in the last two seasons Milan might have dropped points. For the first uh, 60 minutes, it looked like this might be one of those uh, dreaded uh, nil-nil games. Venezia came to San Siro to defend. Um, they lined up well behind the, the ball and they kind of let Milan have all possession. But Milan created chances, but perhaps with about uh, with, with six out of the ten, out of the 11 starters subbed from the previous game, perhaps um, there was a slight problem with the affinity or something like that. Also, it has to be said that uh, Pioli might have messed up his initial tactics by playing uh, Tomori on the wing as opposed to its centre-back. But as soon as uh, Chiari got um, injured, Tomori was moved back into the centre and the aforementioned Kalulu came on and Milan sh- became stronger. Uh, what changed this game was uh, Pioli throwing on his, uh, let's call it his more talented players, let's put it this way. Uh, Salemaker is on for Florenzi, is, uh, is definitely was a big change. And uh, my friend uh, Teo Hernandez on the left, who set up one goal and scored another, uh, overall job done and uh, a great performance considering that this is the, this Milan side were, were missing eight players. Yeah, definitely. And, and we should, well, you picked out a few kind of performances there, but we should also talk about Tonali. Uh, Kenny was sharing some stats with us just beforehand about how much he's improved this season so far compared to last season, kind of. I think an average of 66.3 passes played per game up from 37.8, creating 1.3 chances per game up from 0.6. Um, how excited about are you about that? And what do you think's kind of contributed to that sort of rapid improvement? I feel that um, Tonali is really matured over the summer and obviously um, but it was alluded to in some er- some places that maybe he didn't play so well last year because uh, he was trying to uh, get Brescia to reduce their price for Milan, uh, him being a lifelong uh, <laughs> Milan fan. But I think what was uh, quite curious for me was that this was a game where Locatelli came up against uh, Tonali and uh, while there's been much uh, fanfare about uh, Locatelli throughout the summer and justifiably so, and also a little bit of ribbing towards Milan about the fact that they let him go. Um, I thought that Tonali was the better player in this game and possibly is the better player overall. So I don't think Milan have necessarily lost out. And I also think that it's uh, it's kind of it's very easy to look back at the transfers that were made three or four seasons ago for players who weren't or weren't at the level that they are today and say, oh, we should have held held on to him. Yeah, I mean, to me, it's not a huge surprise to see Tonali playing like this for Milan because. He was, uh, as as a teenager, he was doing this for, for Brescia uh, the season before last. Uh, I, I mean, I was raving, raving about him to, to you guys before we uh, actually started this, this podcast as well. Uh, and it looks to me a little bit like he's just kind of just so much more comfortable in in the, the surroundings at San Siro now than he was last season uh, there's a huge element of confidence i think yeah among among those stats that i shared with you which came from the gazetta um should should really give credit where it's due there um but but among those stats were were things like take-ons that were considerably up um and yes the chances created yeah, successful that, dribbles up um, from 0.2 to 1.3 yeah and and the shots the the shots that he's taken on as well you know he's like 
I think he's kind of realized that he can be, you know, an important player. He he doesn't need to fit into the squad. He can actually be one of the one of the one of the guys that drags drags this team along. And what his hero, a lot of people compared him to Pirlo, obviously, uh, and undoubtedly his uh, his passing ability and his vision. You know, there are like some echoes of, of that. But his hero growing up was Gattuso, hence the reason that he he wears the the number eight at Milan. Uh, and there are elements of that to it as well. So uh, absolutely, I just think that what we're seeing now at Milan is what we saw the promise of uh, at Brescia. And uh, yeah, I think Milan definitely got a good one. And I wasn't you know, at all worried about him last season, to be honest, because, I mean, class is permanent, right? And you could see that this kid had it in abundance when he was playing for Brescia. And to be honest, last year, he could be slightly in the shadows because uh, Benacer and... Uh... Kessie were doing such a good job and being so solid that in a way there was time to drip him into the team very slowly and obviously this has paid dividends. Yeah, and Kenny, you actually wanted to highlight sort of the other central midfielder at the um, Milan have actually done a good bit of business with the kind of upgrade from uh, Chalanoglu who's obviously gone to Inter, um, Brahim Diaz who's kind of slotted right in. Yeah, well, I mean... Centre midfielder, I would I would have him as a trequartista, and I actually uh, don't want to take credit for that either because that's something that Pioli said. But I think it's very evident when you watch him play that he is a, a trequartista more than a sort of a centre mid. Uh, to me, he just he's a player that grows with with every game. Um, this season, I think he was singled out as well. Uh, we we spoke earlier on in the you know in the season that like the first episode that we recorded or something we spoke about how um leao and tonali had been singled out as you know players who'd come back after the summer and been been better but yeah he he's one who really i mean he's just he's just a sort of footballer that i love watching he's got like in the same way that i love watching paulo dybala when he's on um he's just got absolutely magic feet he's so inventive his technique's unbelievable despite his size he seems to have uh like a real a real strength about him he's just a really really entertaining footballer to watch uh and i think becoming more and more pivotal and really kind of growing into into the role and i don't think in the long term milan are gonna miss uh chalanoglu to be honest because i do think he's i think he's an upgrade on him if I'm, I'm brutally honest, maybe perhaps not not now, um, but I, I think you know by the time we're kind of halfway through this season, I think Milan will have long forgotten about Hakan Chalanoglu. Yeah, anyone who follows Baez on Twitter will uh, know his views on Hakan Chalanoglu. So maybe we uh, we won't get into that. Perhaps it fortifies point. what Kenny just said in that to know that uh, Real Madrid refused to have a, a buy clause in in this loan deal, and that according to Carlo Ancelotti, at least. They still have uh, big hopes for Brahim Diaz at uh, at the Bernabeu in the future. So, I mean, hopefully for Serie and for Milan, he'll stick around for many years to come. But clearly, uh, his uh, renaissance is being spotted by his uh, parent club as well. Yeah. Anyway, that um, Milan side looking very exciting um, and certainly fair that they're being considered up there with Napoli as kind of early contenders. Um, but that's enough about Milan. Um, Kenny... Do you think it's fair that people are describing Atalanta's start to the season as slow? I mean, after what five games, they're sitting in fifth place, ten points, not kind of very far behind. 
uh, and big game against Inter at the weekend. Uh, how do you kind of assess this season so far? Yeah, well, famously, um, Atalanta are slow starters. Um, but yeah, I'm not sure if you mentioned it there, but yeah, they're actually one point better off this season than they were la- at this stage last season. Um, but I think that there are the signs, as we kind of see every season um, with Atalanta, there are signs that things are starting to really kind of click into gear. Huge for them, I think, that uh, Martin Darun is is back in the team after that suspension for his antics at the end of the, the Milan game last season, the last game of last season. <laughs> Um, but starting a riot, as you described it, <laughs> yeah. But they've never, um, I mean, they've never looked the same team when they haven't had. And this is something that every, anyone who follows Atalanta regularly says. It's not like huge insight or anything, but uh, they never looked the same team when Derun and Freuler aren't aren't paired together. Uh, but I think this season they might have actually found a solution to that because um, Coop Miners has obviously been brought in. Uh, that was a very kind of drawn out transfer. Um, so he he kind of arrived late in the in the preseason, but he's been gradually introduced by by Gasparini, and he looks. I I don't even know if it's fair to say that he looks like an able deputy. I mean, I think there's real competition now for for the first time in the in the last few seasons, certainly for that central midfield berth. So. That's really, really encouraging. And he obviously, he's only started one game now, but he's at the point where he's gone from being brought on with five minutes to go to being brought on with half an hour to go to to starting a game. Um, I think Gasparini trusts him now. um, And I think he's absolutely right to because he looks like an absolutely fantastic player. But a slow start to the season is just kind of a typical Atalanta start to the season. And they're, yeah, two points off the Champions League spots. So the most important thing at this stage of season for Atalanta is very much to kind of just keep in touch. Don't let the gap to the the big guys be be too big, really. Yeah, and um, potential of having players coming back in before this weekend, Muriel, perhaps. I, don't, I haven't seen the latest. Yeah, so uh, this comes from. I mean, it's something that's been kind of drip dripped out in the uh, in the Italian press, and uh, Gasparini actually addressed it at his press conference. I think it was, um, uh, yeah, the the post match press conference that he could possibly be back before the international break. I think uh, I think Gasparini said that this weekend might be a bit early for him, so he might not make the the Inter game, but he could very well be back for for the Milan game. And I mean that that would be huge as well uh, because at the moment Atalanta are relying on Zapata completely and uh, obviously Piccoli as well who actually did very well when he came on um, when he came on in midweek really put himself about but you know we, we know that Muriel is capable of absolute magic so that's that's good as well and I think something that's kind of a similar theme between Atalanta and Milan Boaz mentioned all the injuries Milan have had um, have had. Uh, Atalanta have also had similar sort of injury worries. Obviously, they they've got uh, Hatibor out. They've had Muriel out. They've been without Derun, as I mentioned, and all of those players kind of slowly coming back into the into the equation. They've kind of ridden out a, a tough a tough spell. Really, uh, just one kind of final point that I wanted to to mention, which I, I didn't earlier, was uh, Gasparini's press conference when. He said, uh, I, I think he was asked about this slow start and he said, like, it's not as if we start the season with the objective of, of winning the, the Scudetto. 
and went on to say, <laughs> "Really? Well, I mean, that's most clubs' objective, really, isn't it?" Well, well, I think people forget. Like people see Atalanta having qualified for the Champions League three years in a row, that everyone's excited. Everyone around Europe now knows uh, that Atalanta are like one of the most exciting kind of teams out there. But uh, yeah, I think within Bergamo, I mean, you you look at the kind of wage bill, uh, you you look at the history of the club, and I think if Atalanta were every season that Atalanta qualified for the Champions League is uh, a, an immense achievement and if they can do that again this season that would be great and uh, just to finish off what, what, what Gasparini was saying he was like now we'll play Milan and Inter and we'll see where we are and um, I think I, I think very much along the same lines uh, this is the, the, the time where Atalanta are beginning to click into gear let's see how you measure up against the big guys yeah very sensible approach I guess taking it just a game at a time um, and let's talk a little bit about the next game but first buyers let's uh, catch up on Inter because I think they do deserve some praise don't they they um, obviously beat a very a, a Fiorentina side who have looked very good so far this season 3-1 and then the 6-1 against Bologna before that they've started to really kind of show their credentials as well haven't they on paper, at least, both these fixtures could have been uh, kind of tricky for Inter. Uh, Bologna came into the game having won two matches in a row and uh, having kept two clean sheets, and they were smashed 6-1. I think uh, poor Aaron Hickey is still dreaming of uh, Dumfries. I think he's dreaming of his first Serie A goal. But personally. I was going to come on to that. But then he scored his first Serie A goal, so now he can stop dreaming about Dumfries. Possibly the win against Fiorentina is uh, more impressive because Fiorentina kind of bossed them for 45 minutes and probably deserved a little bit more from that game but uh inter showed the, the character and the resources to come back and uh that man Ed, edin zeko is uh really finding his scoring boots yeah he'll be needing them this weekend uh how do you assess their chances against atalanta what are you expecting from the game if you remember last year atalanta dominated the game at san siro and were and lost one nil conte in typical conte style was very cynical. So far this season, Inzaghi has shown a much more open approach to his games and possibly that will benefit Atalanta with their uh, blitzkrieg football. But it, uh, it's kind of, uh, it's one of these games that it's really hard to call because uh, you, n- you never know what you're going to get with either team. Yeah. We can go along with that, Kenny, you taking the uh, Gasparini attitude of just taking it a game at a time. Well, I think you, I think you've got to, but I think Inter equally are doing that as well. I mean, we spoke about the Gasparini playing down expectations. Uh, Inzaghi played down expectations in exactly the same way at the start of the season. He said, uh, "Look, with with the players that have gone out of the door, we need to be thinking about Champions League qualification rather than title aspirations." And I'm sure that. Well, Pioli actually didn't say the same for Milan because uh, I think Leao came out and said that they're absolute title contenders and Pioli uh, said if my players want to go for the Scudetto, then uh, they have to they have to show that they're perfect and they can they can do it. But I, I digress. Um, yes, the, the game between Atalanta and Inter or Inter and Atalanta, it, it, it's a difficult one to call. I don't think, I mean, I think this is probably the first big challenge that Inter have actually faced this season I mean Fiorentina yeah okay and Fiorentina beat Atalanta um, but Fiorentina did very much run out of steam I think as well I mean we can give credit to, to Inter for coming back but yeah Fiorentina equally just ran themselves into the ground I think in those opening 45 minutes 
um, perhaps yeah, because and, uh, more on the sending off later. Well, yeah, we'll come to that later on, <laughs> but possibly just Vincenzo Italiano's uh, sort of high intensity press and things um, is absolutely is glorious to watch, and it's wonderful when it's kind of you know w- when you've got a week to recover. But at the moment, with the games coming thick and fast, perhaps that kind of worked against them a little bit. But uh, no. Equally, Atalanta as well have uh, still... I, I've said that there are signs that they're getting up to the level. They still haven't reached the the sort of Atalanta that we're kind of used to uh, from kind of later on in the season uh, yet. So it's it, like Boaz said, it's really, really difficult to call. I think it's I think it's going to be a really entertaining game. I think more entertaining than uh, watching uh, Atalanta on uh, Conte's, Conte's Inter because I think... Uh, yeah, Simone Inzaghi's sides are a completely different beast. I think it will be more. It will be more open. But yeah, it, it's a game that I can't wait to. I can't wait to see. Yeah, indeed, and that's the early kickoff on the Saturday, um, and then on the Sunday we've got the first Rome derby, Lazio Roma, uh, which another obviously extremely important game early on in the season. We should just bring you the news as well as um, we've been recording. Roma did. Win their game this evening 1-0. Goal from Tammy Abraham in the first half. Uh, The only bad news for them for the weekend is that Pellegrini got sent off late in that game. Um, So obviously won't be available for the game of the weekend. And he's been been, phenomenal for them, hasn't he? Yeah, Yeah. exactly. And supposedly his contract situation is about to be resolved because he's a free agent this summer. And if any clubs are are paying attention, they'll see that He's one of the standout stars in Serie A at the moment. Yeah, but uh, Mourinho will be happy about that result, Boaz. Um, he's been uh, sort of playing down the negativity around Roma's first loss and uh, saying all the right things this week, hasn't he? I mean, I'd love to mock Mourinho right now, um, particularly after the loss to, the unexpected loss to Verona. But uh, he seems to be saying all the right things. And his quote, after, particularly after the Verona game, was... Uh, Look, we we've only we won six games. We didn't win sixty, and we've lost one game. We haven't lost ten, which kind of makes sense. Um, as you keep saying every episode, it, the wheels are going to come off the cart at some point. But right <laughs> now, he, as I said, he's he's really saying all the right things and making all the right moves. And if I were a Roma fan, I'd be very happy right now. Yeah, and it looks like a good time to play Lazio as well, who've struggled this evening against Torino, only uh, earning a one-one draw with a very late penalty from Immobile. And that off the back of three defeats, was it, in a row? For Lazio. Yeah. Uh, it's a draw. A draw with Cagliari. A draw, you know. Oh, right, yeah. But, but yeah. they haven't picked up uh, four points since the first two matches of the league, including Europe. Yeah, yeah. Frank's Strakosh. Sarri ball's still to kick yeah, in. So maybe, uh, yeah, Sarri ball's still to kick in and maybe the wheels won't come off the Mourinho cart quite so soon. I'm hoping I'll jinx it by saying that. The question is, how many cigarettes will Sarri smoke before um, Lazio start playing good football? <laughs> I estimate 1,500. Yeah, you think it's in the, the thousands, not the tens of thousands? Considering how many he smokes a day, you might be more right than I am. <laughs> um, okay, we should do a quick roundup of what else has been going on that we don't have time to talk about in detail. Genoa confirmed, I think today or yesterday, they've sold... A majority stake to a US investment firm, 777 Partners. Uh, supposedly a very good return on investment for the former owner, Enrico Preziosi, who will be staying on on the board. And a shout out to the Galazzo episode. Um, 
Italian football podcast from uh, November 2018 about this madman. Uh, definitely have a listen. This will be really sad news for all uh, managers who unemployed managers because uh, Preziosi <laughs> was frequently firing and hiring people. So now, like Genoa, unfortunately, will not have four or five managers on their books and player agents as well because uh, obviously the turnover of players. Uh, They've basically got a whole new first eleven this season as well, don't they? And you have to consider that uh, what could have been with Genoa because uh, they had a, they've had a lot of superstars come in and out of the club in recent years, and perhaps it, had they approached a model kind of like Udinese, where they held on to certain key players, uh, De Paul, for example, they could have uh, built on that. But instead, that they were like, for example, Piatek, he had the, he scored 10, 15 goals in in a half a year in, at, at Genoa, and they immediately sold him. There, there's, there was never any continuity at this club. And clearly, uh, Preziosi listens to this pod and uh, realized that I said they were a pointless club <laughs> and immediately sold. Well, their point yeah. is now return on investment, Boaz. Good yeah. for him. What a loony. Well, in better news for the profession, it does look like stadiums are going to be allowed to reopen. Um, and it, in fact, officials have been on the radio um, hinting at this and it is, it's expected to be confirmed. Um They'll be allowed to uh, reopen with uh, 75 to 80 percent capacity. Sorry, um, within the next couple of weeks. Yeah, up from the 50 percent at the moment. That, obviously, that it's yeah. currently. Yeah. Juve obviously got their first win of the season against Spezia, scraping a free-two game. They really should have been winning and holding on a bit at the end. I felt. Yeah, yeah. Maybe we'll do uh, we'll speak in more detail about the Juve crisis again if it uh, if it happens to continue. Yeah. We can't speak about it every week. <laughs> yeah, indeed. Um, Empoli picking up their second win, 2-0 victory over Cagliari yesterday. Um, and tonight, as we mentioned, obviously Napoli being sent 4-0. Torino conceding to the late penalty uh, to draw with Lazio and the Roma game, which ended 1-0. Uh, so there's, I mean, we can't round up all of the fixtures from the last week because as Kenny mentioned earlier there's just been so many um, but let's pick out a good week and a bad week shall we I mean clear candidates let's do good week first clear candidates have to be Napoli having won 4-0 twice since we last recorded Inter maybe him with a shout as well and any other any votes or other nominations well for me it's um, I don't know it's really difficult to pick between the, between the two yeah, I don't know. Boaz, what do you think? If we're going on the goal difference, we have to go for Napoli. And uh, also, I think their, the manner of their victory was very impressive. And the fact that they're unexpectedly top of the league should give them, at least for this week, a good week. Yeah, and two clean sheets. That's a clincher for me. Two clean sheets. Yeah, okay. Good week for Napoli then. Yeah. Bad weeks, perhaps a little bit more challenging. Um, I mean, Venezia lost twice since we last recorded. It feels a bit harsh to give this to Venezia, having lost at San Siro having, and having defended so um, bravely for 60-plus minutes. And uh, my country mate, uh, Dor Peretz, almost scoring a handball goal towards the end of the first half. But uh, they did lose in uh, what is a relegation six-pointer earlier in the week. So um, yeah. not the best of weeks league-wise. Maybe we need to bring back uh, Marco Rinaldi. <laughs> possibly Udinese or Udinese in with a shout I mean losing tonight and uh, yeah losing 4-0 to, to Napoli at the weekend although yeah I mean just about everyone appears to be losing 4-0 to Napoli at the moment so 
Yeah, Udinese are a good shout. I was looking for the teams that had lost twice and uh, obviously they hadn't yet at the point I was looking at researching, but yeah. By all accounts, yeah. Udinese played really well today against Roma, but um, these these games where you play well and lose are probably the, the, the worst uh, examples of points dropped along the way. And then the other nomination was Fiorentina, which is harsh, but um, perhaps a kind of turning point loss against Juve and... Um, the sending off, which we will discuss. Later. But they did win it the, the weekend. They did beat Genoa. So I think for for me, it would be one out of uh, Veneti and Udinese. Possibly more disappointing for for Udinese. Veneti have still got to get up and running in, in Serie A, but Udinese had a, re- like, under the radar, had a really, really good start to the season. Um, and they've kind of okay. just started falling away very, very early. I think I might, I might go for Udinese. I second yeah, that. Let's give it. Let's give it to Udinese. Okay, Buzz, are you ready for keeping up with the Italians? This is my quick fire of keeping up with the Italians. Uh, first of you all, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna steal your thunder and start off keeping up with the Italians this week because I was watching a club called Tottenham Hotspur playing the uh, Carabao How Now Brown Cow Cup, <laughs> as, as Kenny likes to call it, uh, against Wolves, and uh, Gallini was the penalty shootout hero. He went the right way for four out of five of them. Got his hand to one, saved one. Honourable mention. Not not an honourable mention, but... And everyone's favourite rapper in the Premier League as well, so uh, there's, <laughs> yeah, that. Exactly. there's that as well. So that's my contribution. Moving on rapidly, we have uh, European Cup winner Emerson Palmieri, who opened his account for Lyon <laughs> this weekend and was subsequently voted as the best left-back of the game in the Ligue 1, Ligue 1 Uber Eats um, <laughs> competition. Fancy. <laughs> Um, we have Fabio Cannavaro, World Cup hero from 2006, who rescinded his contract with uh, Guangzhou, who are owned by this uh, Evergrande company, who are kind of um, being hung out to dry by the Chinese government, and therefore I think the club's being shut down or something like this. Roberto De Zerbi's Shakhtar got over the disappointment of losing to Sheriff in the Champions League by winning the Ukrainian Super Cup 3-0 against fierce rivals Dinamo Kiev. Our, our man Mario Balotelli got a goal and an assist in the match versus Besiktas, and made a point of pointing towards the Besiktas coach, who apparently in the past has said that Balotelli was brainless. I don't know who reported this information to Balotelli because it's from like 2011 or something, but <laughs> clearly, clearly Mario holds a grudge. I'd like to give talk about uh, a young guy called Cher Endur, who became the youngest player ever to score in the Portuguese second division. And uh, he's an Italy under-18 product. And uh, Italy Azzurini striker Calvin Yeboah, Scored a brace and is currently top goal scorer in the Austrian Bundesliga. And lastly, last week I gave an honorable mention to Matteo Mazzone for scoring straight off kickoff. You might have thought it was a bit of a one-off, but he did it again this week and scored. <laughs> Started the second half, boom. I think you goalkeepers know. should get a little bit wiser to this, but still, it's impressive. That is impressive. And while we're on your uh, honorable and dishonorable mentions, Buzz, you can kick us off this week as well. Starting off with uh, a couple of honourables. Yeah, unfortunately, we're starting off with a bit of a sombre honourable. It's for um, referee Marika Galizia, who is uh, 27. And uh, unfortunately, she passed away while giving birth to her son. She was a very promising referee and uh, had been refereeing for 11 years and was expected to rise up in the divisions. And all the Serie A clubs uh, tweeted uh, support and uh, and obviously, um, we we give our own uh, condolences, and we we hope that her son uh, remains healthy. Yeah, and uh, while we're on 
the topic of paying respects, we should obviously mark the passing of England's footballing legend, Jimmy Greaves. And former AC Milan star. Yeah, relevant to this podcast due to his time at AC Milan. Um, and there have been some good anecdotes coming out about his time there this week, hadn't the bus? Yeah, apparently he was he made quite an impression in just four months in Italy. Um, there was various autobiographies from from the period, including including Cesare Maldini's and Altafini uh, mention him. Uh, Maldini is uh, quotes the story that everyone was kind of falling asleep in the Ritiro, which is this uh, the, the stuff that Italian clubs do. And that suddenly they heard a noise outside in the corridor and the light switched on and they opened the door and they could see Greavesy kind of walking her along what they quote as being like the Pink Panther going out to a nightclub with his wife. He was spotted frequently <laughs> at nightclubs in Milan. And um, the next day he was uh, hung out to dry by Nereo Rocco, who uh, didn't pr- particularly appreciate uh, his fun-loving approach to life. Hence uh, why Greaves left after just four months. And still he scored... Uh, Nine goals in 11 matches, including two in a derby. I, this is a slight what-if, sliding door scenario, but had he not left when he did leave, uh, if he had stuck around for another for the rest of the season, Milan became the first uh, Italian club to lift the Champions League or the European Cup, as it was ne- known then. And uh, Greaves would have been the first English player to have lifted the, comp- the trophy. But unfortunately, it wasn't meant to be. But he's remembered very fondly, and uh, everyone says that he was a phenomenal player. Yeah, truly, truly incredible talent. And apparently a great nightclub, great dancer at nightclubs too, so. <laughs> <laughs> Not surprised with that movement. Kenny, we've been, uh, we've mentioned this a couple of times already uh, on the podcast, but give us the details of um, Gonzalez's sending off for, in that Fiorentina game and uh, the yeah. de- why he's getting a dishonourable for it. Did we actually go into, into any details? Did we actually talk about no, being sent off? So this is, I mean, it's actually led to quite a lot of debate in uh, in Italy as to whether it was a, a horrific refereeing uh, decision or an idiotic decision by Gonzalez. I personally think it's both because uh, I think it, I think it was Bastoni who was like grabbing him by the by the shirt. I mean, people were calling for Chiellini to be to be sent off for his uh, his shirt pull in the European Championships uh, final, the Euros final. Um, I mean, Bastoni had uh, a similar amount of Gonzalez's shirt, and obviously Gonzalez got got the free kick, and uh, the referee decided that it w- it wasn't a bookable offence, and Gonzalez protested quite quite angrily, uh, got booking for for protests, nothing unusual about that really, but then proceeded to to clap very kind of. Uh, forcefully in the in the referee's eye uh, face and i mean people have been saying you can't get away with that in italy you can't get away with that anywhere like after you've just been booked going up to the referee's face giving him a slow hand clap like very like forcefully uh, just idiotic i mean and fiorentina i think were two one down at the time so very much still in the game and yeah, just idiotic. I think he's come out and apologized actually on on social media and and well he what, the should. Referee or Gonzalez. Uh, Gonzalez, Gonzalez has <laughs> uh, as he should. And uh yeah, I think he's got one match ban for it. So uh so yeah, just idiotic. Let's hope he doesn't applaud the one match ban. 
it has to be said that there's no other play, no other walk of life where applauding someone sarcastically gets such a big punishment. Can you imagine? <laughs> I'm not sure I would walk up to my manager uh, in any in any job and applaud. You want me to do this report? <laughs> well done, yeah. you. I think you might be disciplined in any in any Possibly. other profession for doing that. Try out, can you see how John reacts? Yeah, to change tack completely, I wanted to give uh, an honourable to Roma, um, who are offering fans drop-in vaccination at the stadium and uh, a discount or, I guess, a partial refund on their season ticket if they get vaccinated. Um, so taking some uh, proactive yeah. action. Great initiative. For them. Indeed. Uh, Kenny, let's have your goals honourable next. Yeah, I mean, there have been so many incredible goals and uh, I think I've been getting a bit carried away with the goals mem- memorables recently. So I'm going to try this out this week and it might be what I do from now on, but I'm just picking one. And uh, I know this is much to Boaz's disgust because he thinks there was a better goal in this game, but I'm giving one to uh, Pellegrini for his back heel against Verona. Just incredible uh, inventiveness, incredible reaction, incredible technique to, to flick the, the ball in at the first post. Uh, really, really lovely to see. And that's that's going to get my goals honourable. And there have been loads of great uh, goals for, for over the last two rounds of games uh, that we've had this week. So go and check all of them out. Just watch all of the highlights on, on, on YouTube. Uh, do yourselves a favour. As Kenny alluded to there, I thought that there was a, it was a great game with some great goals, but the Faraoni goal towards the end, which was also the clincher, was a, was a fantastic goal because he sets it up with his left foot and hits it with the right. For someone who's severely left-footed, I enjoyed the, the ambidextrousness of the goal. Yeah, I mean, I have to side with Kenny here, but he's got a lot of lot more time. This is because you're Brit and you're, you're not used to these fancy, uh, fancy <laughs> moves. I thought, I thought yeah. Pellegrini's was pretty fancy. I see them on a daily basis. <laughs> put it to the listeners. We'll have a, a Twitter poll and uh, we'll have a Twitter poll and, and see who agrees with Kenny and who agrees with Baz. And we'll report back on that next week. Uh, Baz, you wanted to give... Um, is this an honourable for Mike Mignan? Or is it, a dis- I guess, we'll s- a bit of both a dishonourable for the Juve fan? I mean, the, the less we mention the Juve fan, the better. But essentially... Um, the whole of uh, Italy was slightly shocked by the the footage and more to the more to the point the audio of a Juventus fan uh, racially abusing Mike Magnan while he was uh, warming up. To Juventus's credit, they immediately spotted this guy out and they banned him from the stadium. And I think there could be further punishment. Although the Fiji chief seems to be a little bit uh, lukewarm about this, but I want to turn this into a positive moment and give a. Honorable Munch mentioned to Mike Magnan, who, besides being a phenomenal keeper, also made a very strong statement against uh, racism as a whole. And I think you should go check his statement out because he said, I'm not a victim of, race, of racism. I am Mike standing up, black and proud. As long as we'll be able to raise our voices and make a difference, we'll do it. Good on you, Mike. Yeah, thanks for that. Great, honorable. Um, Kenny, you wanted to give. Uh... This is not a goals honourable, but it's an honourable for goals. Yeah, this is an honourable for Croatia World Cup silver medal loser Kalinic for uh, his his two goals against uh, Salernitana for for Verona. Um, He had a horrible season of it uh, last year. I think he had about three lengthy, lengthy spells out. But back in the reckoning and uh, yeah, 
making making his presence felt and uh, winning a, a valuable point for for Verona and what I think is looking like it might be a bit of a challenging season for them. And while we're on the topic of uh, that Croatia team, Baz, um, even Perisic showed up at the San Siro. Yeah, following fresh from uh, their Inter's victory against Fiorentina, where Perisic actually got a goal. He was then spotted the subsequent night, uh, looking very dapper in the stands, watching Milan. And he also um, posted on his social media, Inter scout even Perisic. There are rumors going around Milan that um, Perisic, whose contract is about to run out, will be moving... We'll, do, we'll be doing a reverse Chalianoglu. Um, I'm not sure about that. But at the same time, it's it's always a little bit weird to see uh, a player who plays for your the rival club sitting in the stands watching a game like that. Yeah. Um, and I'm afraid I'm going to steal your social media honourable this week, um, which goes to Martin Darun for his fantastic uh, tweet and accompanying video. I think the tweet just said, I bet Messi doesn't have to put up with this. And uh, it's, he he went into the club shop early in the morning, met with the staff there, and he speaks to the camera and he says, I'm going to pay for the first free kits of uh, people that come in and get Martin Darun on the back. And uh, I'm going to sign them as well. And then he's just waiting in the shop, and <laughs> just waiting in the shop all day long. <laughs> and the staff come over to him and they're like, I'm sorry, we're gonna, just going to have to close the shop. <laughs> It's so good. It's, uh, it's just really well acted. And um, yeah, just lo- love his sense of humor. I want to be his friend. How do we make this happen? Yeah, we uh, need to let him know that he's got an honorable. Maybe he'll come on the podcast. <laughs> um, but until we sort that out, you'll have to part with us. Um, that's all we've got time for this week. If you don't already, please do subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you get your audio. We'll speak to you again next week. Until then. Enjoy the football. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.